You're listening to Upstate HR, the HR podcast for non-HR businesses in Upstate New York. Today we're talking about great questions for your next great employee. How do you find out in an interview if someone has what it takes? We're joined by Megan Cole, who helps us examine better questions to ask and what to look for in the answers. Plus, we'll hear some of the cringe-worthy questions that have been asked in interviews. Stay tuned. Upstate HR is brought to you by Labor Love. For only $8 a month, you'll receive a new labor law poster automatically every time there's an update. With Labor Love, you'll never have to worry about poster compliance again. Visit laborlove.co for details. Labor Love, love what you do, leave the labor to us. And by Burr Consulting, LLC. In today's world of ever-changing and evolving labor and employment law, payroll processes, employee relation issues, and the complexity of a work-life balance we all face, understanding and addressing these issues can create multiple challenges in legal liability. Burr Consulting offers you affordable human resources consulting for both profit and not-for-profit organizations. Visit burrconsultingllc.com today strategically aligning HR as a partner for the success of your business. Now let's get started. So today we're here to talk about um, something that every business needs to think about, and especially small businesses where they don't have a professional HR uh, person on staff. Um, You want to ask the right questions during an interview because you want to get the right employees. And we're joined today... um, by Megan Cole, who's a regional uh, human resource consultant. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Happy to be here. And um, so let's just get started on some of the questions. You know, the the overall goal is to try and uh, decipher who's going to make a great employee or not. And that's hard to do. We were just talking about the fact that some people might be terrible in interviews and make great employees and the other way around. So um, what are some of the questions that you've seen uh, and maybe that you've asked or have been asked that um, you think are really great questions to try to get at the heart of who's going to be a good employee? Sure. So one of the things that I look for, I do a lot of training and development work through human resources. And one of the things that I look for is, is the person willing to learn? Um, So one of the questions I always ask is, Uh, what are you interested in learning more about? And I make sure that they know that it's not specifically related to this job or this role, um, just in general. And what I'm looking for is for them to have an answer and something that's very clearly thought out. Even if it's, you know, I'm hiring for a salesperson and they turn around and say, well, I really want to learn more about horses. Great. It shows you have an interest in learning about something. I can work with that. Um, I get a little nervous when they say, uh... I don't know. I guess I will just learn about whatever um, because it shows that they don't necessarily have great focus mm-hmm. um, and they're not somebody who's constantly learning on their own. Yeah. So they're going to be harder to train and develop into a great employee. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you, you get employees or, or potential employees, interviewees that are talking about um, the fact that they're available for anything. They're happy to do anything and that doesn't really help an employer necessarily. Right. Um, so uh, what are maybe some of the more traditional questions that we hear, like, 
where do you see yourself in five years? Or do, do you see a lot of people asking those kind of questions that maybe don't give a lot of insight? I think so. Um, I've done a few different job interviews in the past year, and I've, hmm. I've heard a lot of that kind of question. What do you want to do in 10 years? Well, I'd like to have a job. Um, and that question's really general, and it's really hard to say, because you don't want to give too much information, right? You don't want to say all of your personal goals necessarily because an employer could potentially use that against you, but you also don't want to just give a general answer. I'd like to have a job. I'd like to be successful. I'd like to make a million dollars because none of those answers give really good, solid you know, insight into what kind of employee that person's going to be. Yeah. Um, I typically prefer the question of if you could do anything, what would you do? Um, again, it's a little bit more focused, and I'm looking for someone to say, if I could do anything, I would go back to school, and I would get a degree in this, and I would go do this, and this is why. I want to take care of my family. I want to buy a new house. I want to do these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just feel like that question is a little bit more focused than what do you want to do in 10 years. Yeah. Now, is there any question that either of you are absolutely going to ask in every interview something that you feel really gets to the heart of a good employee? You know, I, I always, the one I always fall back on is, uh, tell me about a time you failed. And I don't want to just know about what you what you failed at. I want to know about what you learned from it, um, what the experience was, what, we, what you would do different if you had to do it all over again. I think if people can self-reflect on, on personal and professional, maybe even academic failure, and what they learn from it and how they're going to grow and move on from it, it's, it's a great... Uh, a great question for me to get an engage on on uh, the personality you know when people say well I've never failed that pretty much ends the interview right there yeah. because I think that's a really arrogant answer yeah. everyone fails right so so I think that uh, that question if you can self-reflect uh, and, and give me a solid answer is, is a really uh, it's a really powerful question in an interview so I love that question because well every year in our region the the Community Foundation of the Elmira Corning and Southern Finger Lakes region um, holds a failure summit. So for the past five years, they've asked CEOs and professionals, um, and I've had a chance to present about some of my epic failures, but the room is full and um, there are hundreds of people wanting to learn from everybody else's failures. And I think it says so much about your maturity and professionalism to be able not only to identify those failures, but to talk about what you learned from them and, and, and to be resilient because everybody right. has those. How about you, Megan? Are there any questions that you absolutely are going to ask in every single interview? Sure. Um, one of the ones I always ask is tell me about some of your strengths because I'm looking to see if they can actually list their strengths and tell me why they're great at that thing. Um, Often there's a tendency with people that maybe aren't great interviewers to focus on what they do poorly when you ask that question. Um, And that I think shows communication skills and I think it also, sort of as a a secondary thing, it shows communication skills, but then it also shows, are they somebody that focuses on the positive or the negative? (laughs) Yeah. Um, which I think sort of builds off that same concept of, you know, can they identify their failure and then what they did next? Right. Um, I also ask about problem solving. Tell me about a time you solved a problem and I'm looking for a process. I don't care what the problem was. Mm. I don't care how you fixed it. What I care is that you can think through, okay, I did this and then next I did this and then I did this and that you can explain it to someone else. Um, And for a lot of the roles that I 
have been responsible for hiring for that problem solving and the ability to focus on the positive are incredibly important because you know in sales there's a lot of rejection there's a lot of kind of different pieces coming at you all the time um, so the ability to do those two things are invaluable yeah um, so these types of questions like what are you willing to learn if you could do anything what would it be uh, share a time that you failed what are your strengths um, what is it that you're really getting at when you're when you're interviewing someone in addition to obviously you see their background you see their experience on the resume so um, when you finally get to the point and especially as a small business owner um, I'm very curious about the answer here because when you get to a point and you've got it down to two or three employees or, or candidates and and um, you obviously you see their credentials and everything um, then what am I looking for that could indicate whether somebody's going to be a good fit or not? That's a good question. I mean, I think that uh, trying to gauge a lifetime worth of work in a one-hour interview is uh, mm -hmm. is impossible at times. I think that you know you're interviewing the applicant for a position, but at the same time, I'm coming in the door. I'm going to be interviewing you as well and see if I fit with that organization. So, I think that you're looking for the fit. I think you're looking for someone that uh, could become a leader that understands uh, the good and the bad, the strengths, weaknesses, failures, things like that. They can self-reflect, own mistakes, they can get along with people. Again, it's going to vary by the position, but uh, you know, fit's, fit is big, right? You don't want to hire the wrong person, but at the same time, I think that we all have had those, those bad hires and mm -hmm. we've accepted jobs we should probably shouldn't have. So, I'm looking, you know, at the beginning of resumes and sometimes on LinkedIn, there's skills, right? And everybody thinks they're great at something. I want you to prove it. Um, a lot of the roles that I hire for are not things that people go to school for. They're, they are things that you have to learn by doing it. And I want to be able to find ways to identify those skills. You know, everybody says they're a great problem solver. A lot of people aren't. So I need to be able to see that. Um, lots of people say they're self-starters. I want you to tell me about a time when you did that. Um, so I'm looking for sort of those skills that maybe you can't see from somebody's job title. Um, you know, I can see that you've worked for 10 years. I can see that you were a great employee because you've stayed there, but I'm more interested in hearing about what you're going to bring to my job, this role right now, um, which maybe doesn't immediately apply to something you've already done. Now, um, I want to get to uh, some bad questions as well, and I know that there are some very illegal questions that I've heard of businesses asking. And I, I think, um, yeah, I don't think you're allowed to ask that, but we'll get to that in one second. Um, you know, when you, when you decide to hire somebody, it's a big decision and some businesses have very smart policies in place. And this maybe comes down to a handbook where you hire somebody for a trial period and um, are allowed you know, to, to assess them at the end of that and decide whether they're actually gonna stay on or not. Do you see any policies or are there any rules and regulations around that sort of trial period hiring? I mean, there's the, you've always gotta take in mind discrimination and things like that. We had this discussion in my class last night where there was an employee uh, in a former organization I worked for that uh, was really pushed through the process. Uh, the employee had a, a permanent back injury and uh, got passed through Ahmed and part of the requirements of the job were to lift 50 pounds. Employee was hired in, two or three weeks later, 
realized I couldn't do the job, but we pushed them through the process. I wasn't involved in the hiring process, but I was involved in the termination process at that point, and, and uh, they could not do the job. Mm -hmm. Okay, so thanks, but no thanks. At this point, we're not gonna continue on with your applicancy. We don't want you working here, because it's, it's a liability to risk for us. They tried to get the doctor's note changed to lift the 50 pounds. Permanent injury, it's never gonna go away. Mm -hmm. Well, what happened? person filed a discrimination charge and said it was settled for just above $30,000. Hmm. So again, those types of things you got to be careful of when you do hire someone. If, if you're required to lift 50 pounds, you got to be able to do it. You got to be able to hire someone that can do it. Don't just force someone in there because you need a warm body in the seat or in the, in the position. So You've got those. The probationary period is fine uh, in in this country. We're employees at will unless you're under a, a contract, labor contract, or a contract by yourself with the organization. Uh, so those things are okay. But you've also got to manage people the right way. And if they're not going to fit, you got to manage them out of the organization. Yeah. So. So then, what are some of those uh, cringeworthy questions that you've heard of businesses asking? Um, oh gosh, you know, I've been in interviews, I've been in a lot of interviews with people, you know, myself and, and others watch people ask uh, some, some really bad questions. I was in an interview, I don't know, a couple of years ago and I had a general manager ask me uh, if I could work second shift. I said, yeah, no issue. Are you married? Do you have kids? I said, dude, you can't ask me that question. It's illegal. Mm -hmm. Comes back and says... Do you have, are you married? Do you have kids? I said, I'm going to tell you one more time. I'm going to save you a lawsuit because I'm a nice guy. You can't ask me those questions. Yeah. Don't ask the next person those questions. Obviously, it didn't work out between us. And I just <laughs> walked away. But uh, that was a pretty uh, bad question to ask twice. You know, I've had people, you know, I've seen people ask uh, union presidents that are interviewing in non-union facilities about their union affiliation, things like that that are, that are pretty bad, pretty mm -hmm. legal questions to be asking a union person because they know the laws as well as somebody like me. Uh, those are those are big ones. Um, you know, your typical questions like, do, do you have a car, do you own a house, things like that are legal. You can ask about reliable transportation. Have, owning a house has nothing to do with the position you're interviewing for. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite ones that I joke with people about all the time is tell me about your weaknesses. And I always think that this is not a valuable question for the most part because people always give the same four answers. Mm. Um, and they're always really rehearsed and they sound rehearsed. And I could have spent that 45 seconds with this person asking something useful. Yeah. Um, you know, everybody always says, oh, I give too much. Lies. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's just a lie. Yeah. Don't do it. Um, so I always kind of try to refrain from that one and sort of to build on what Matt was saying, I've read a lot of articles and I've seen this happen where they ask questions that are indirect questions about those things. Tell me what you like to do on weekends. Yeah. Well, what does what I do on weekends have to do with yeah. this job if it's Monday through Friday from eight to five? Yeah. Um, and really what they're trying to ask is, do you have kids? Right. Do you do kid centric right. activities on the weekends? Are you married? Like they're asking those questions without asking those questions. Sure. Um, and that can still, even though it's not directly illegal, can still be very sticky. So I try to avoid anything too personal. Yeah. If somebody brings those things up when you ask them about, you know, uh, what's your goal with this position? Well, I'd really like to, you know, make more money because I'm trying to take care of my children. That's different. They yeah. offered that. But when you ask questions trying to see 
more about their personal life and then judging your hiring decision on that, it's a bad call. Yeah. Yeah. yeah if, if people bring up like wives and spouses and kids and in interviews with me, I just, you know, I say great and move on to the next thing because it really has nothing to do with the job whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I mean, they can offer that information and I'm very conservative in my interview approach and I'm not going to dig in, oh, how old are your kids? Do they play sports? It doesn't matter to me yeah. as the potential employer because that can come back as a discrimination if they're not hired, even if you've done everything right. Well, he didn't hire me because I had kids. That could be thrown out there at that point. So yeah. just, again, be very careful about your approach on those questions. And then younger women, you know, I've seen discrimination potentially having kids, uh, you know, are you going to have kids? Are you going to get married? Those questions come up still today. and. An organization. So again, you got to be very careful when you're asking, yeah. digging for information like that. So I heard of a small business asking um, if you could live in any state, which state would you live in? And that was a way to kind of get at political preferences. It was, you know, if they uh, said Texas versus California, that yeah. was giving them some indication of political leanings, which is another way to kind of yeah, you didn't directly ask the question, but your end goal is to try to understand, um, you know, political leanings, right. which obviously has nothing to do with job performance. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, again, same thing. You just got to be careful. Political is obviously an issue in this country right now, very divided. But, uh, you know, if you're looking at social media and things like that, I'd be careful about bringing any of that stuff up in an interview. I'd really strongly recommend not doing it at yeah. that point. So, yeah. yeah, and it's been my experience, at least with hiring, that if somebody's, most people, if they're feeling really confident and comfortable with what they're interviewing for, if they bring it up, it's just, I I stay away from it. Uh, and I wouldn't consider myself the most conservative recruitment yeah. person, but, yeah. I, you know, they bring it up and I go, oh, that's nice. And then we move on to whatever yeah. next question about exactly. your learning or training ability, because right. um, I, I don't care so much. And it's so no. much safer. Yes, right. Um, right. If they keep talking about it, that's one thing. Yeah. But I never ask follow-up questions about yeah, those things. Yeah, you know, I mean, and if po- politics is brought up, you know, and, and, you know, you support Donald Trump and the other person su- supports Bernie Sanders or Hillary Clinton or whoever it might be, and if that's the underlying reason you don't hire somebody, you might be missing out on a really phenomenal applicant, somebody yeah. that you could really do work with, uh, and it would be unfortunate that that actually caused that that type of rift right in the beginning. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I've seen that in a lot of organizations where the person hiring, I, I'm a big fan of having multiple people in the hiring process, even if it's just two, just because you have two different personalities, two different sets of questions. Mm-hmm. But I think there's sometimes a tendency for hiring managers that aren't familiar with hiring to find someone like them. And your organization already has one of you, so they don't need another one. Yeah. Like they yeah. might need something different. So. The similar to me effect. That's what they define it as in recruiting okay. terms. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, um, yeah. So, any final thoughts on on hiring or, or questions for employees? You know, I think that one thing that we didn't touch on too much. Um, we touched on it a little bit about uh, I think recruiting or the last one we did talent acquisition is, again, it comes back to. Um, treat people the way that you want to be treated, right? You want the process to work well for you. You want to see if you're fit. You want to make sure that it's the right organization. And, and the other thing that I gauge interest on in interviews is is the type of questions people ask me at the end. I, you know, the follow-up, hey, do you have any questions for me at the end? If somebody sits there and says, no, I have no questions, 
that to me could be a red flag as well, that either they're not interested, they didn't care, or they're just not prepared. And anyone coming in to, to an interview that's taking my time, I expect they're going to take it serious. They need to have some questions for me. And the better the questions are, I think it, it, the more interest there is by on the applicant side as well. Yeah. So. Well, then I'll finish by saying, do you have any questions for me? <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Upstate HR podcast. If you have any ideas on the topics we should cover, send us an email at ideas at upstatehrpodcast.com. Tell your friends and coworkers to subscribe in the iTunes podcast store. And thank you for listening.